Welcome. You're now listening to Dirty Feet. Bonjour. Oui, vous êtes sur les ondes des pieds sales, aka Dirty Feet podcast on No More Radio. And hosted by Joanie Farin, JD Papillon, Alison Burns. Stay tuned. We're going to move you. Mother, mother, I'm on fire. I'm a cheer and a lie. We did it. We made it through Fringe 2013 here in Montreal. And we did our best to uh, check out as much dance as possible at the Fringe and other movement shows and whatnot. And uh, congratulations to Jasmine Fife Dance that won the award uh, from Bouge DC. It was for for best uh, choreographer. Oh, I think it was most outstanding choreographer or choreography. And that was the show Pulse. They were from Toronto. I do believe they've already headed home, but uh, I can't wait to see more of them. And congratulations to Faster Presents The Elephant in a Room, Allison's uh, own show, which won the Freebie Award. What's the Freebie Award, uh, Allison, exactly? Uh, the Freebie Award is from the Freestanding Room, which is a, a small theater space here in Montreal. And the award is for um, doing a, a lot with a little. And uh, it's for like a minimalist production. And we were really thrilled to be chosen to win that award. And uh, that means we get to do a run at the freestanding room sometime in the next year. And where's the freestanding room exactly? It's on Saint Laurent, just north of uh, Rachel. And Fringe is over, and I don't know about you guys if you've gone to the Fringe, but I am exhausted. That's the thing with the Fringe. It's such a roller coaster of activities and social events and everything. Mm -hmm. It is draining. It's fun. It's really fun because you get socialized with so many artists, quite often artists who are not limited to dance. But man, once that the end of the 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 fringe comes around, I'm exhausted. I don't know about you guys. I I feel pretty good actually. Um, but I do want to say a big thank you to all the choreographers, the dancers that have participated in the fringe who went to see a lot of other people's dance shows. I ran into a lot of people that I saw performing, the choreographers, the dancers. So I think it's great that everybody's supporting each other and trying to have more and more people go to uh, different shows. Because of course sometimes it's hard to get attendance with the times, with the weather, with you know, whatever reason, the many, many shows in the fringe. Um, but I think that everybody's supporting each other very well. So yeah, kudos. Awesome guys. Yeah. I'd like to bring a special mention for, um, and Flaude Rochambeau and her company, uh, presenting Sanders de Sue. That was one of the best dance shows I've ever seen at the fringe. It was a really professional dance show. Um, she just graduated, uh, last year from, uh, the Yukon program and it was, beautifully crafted the the spatial construction in that piece was just very powerful and i'm really excited to see what comes up next amazing so after two episodes and this little brief intro i think it's time to close the book on fringe uh if you want to catch up at this point we have reviewed all the dance shows and bloody underrated has reviewed all of the shows in the Fringe Festival. So you can check that out. Some of them will be reprised. Some of them will be touring. So if you're in uh, Ottawa and Toronto, you can you can check it out. And that's on bloodyunderrated.net. Uh, next up, we're going to be talking about... Piss in the Pool, 
which is upcoming in the next few days, June 26th through June 29th. We're going to have uh, on the show Hélène Simard and Andréane Leclerc. They're all going to be presenting work at Peace in the Pool, so we're going to hear about it in a few minutes. Just quickly before we move on to our guests, though, I'd like to mention for people who are in around Charlevoix or Quebec City in those regions, uh, as part of the Festival International du Domaine Forget, there will be a presentation of uh, Robert Bendance's Gravity of Center, which I've seen when they first presented it in Montreal with a year and a half ago or so, and it's a fantastic show. Uh, it will be July 3rd at 8 p.m., and also, as part of the Festival International, they are also hosting um, a workshop, a two-weeks workshop for professionals. I, it's probably closed right now for uh, applications, but they they held it last year too. So if you're interested, look it up for next year. It's a really great opportunity to learn from a fantastic dance company. Before we start talking to our guests, uh, here's the last song by the band Dead Messengers, which is going to be part of Phil and Simar's piece. Row your boat Off the deep end I come and go Oh my God Never for your grace go So joining us in studio right now are Hélène Simard and Andréanne Leclerc, both of whom are choreographing as part of this year's Piss in the Pool, uh, which, as we mentioned earlier, is from June 26th through June 29th at 8.30 p.m. It's at Saint-Michel uh, on Saint-Dominique at the corner of Maguire. So hi, Hélène. Hi, Andréanne. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. Thanks for having us. Hi. Yeah, thank you for having us. So on this uh, very hot day that we're recording, Piss in the Pool is a really interesting event, especially considering the summertime in Montreal. Uh, it, it is about uh, sort of reintegrating a space that is non-conventional for performance. Uh, is it the first time that you're both doing Piss in the Pool? I presented work at Piss in the Pool uh, in 2011. Um, that was the first time I had done the show. Um, I presented a solo. That What's fun about the event is that we get uh, residency for three weeks to create work for the space. And so I had really gone in that year uh, with absolutely no idea of what I was going to work on. I walked into the space and kind of was like, what do you do with this giant empty swimming pool that's kind of dingy, kind of dirty, and really, really muggy and sweaty and hot when it's hot in Montreal. Um, and so that year I had actually um, created a solo that ended up being about the whole Margie Gillis Sun News conundrum because it happened really, the, that interview aired the day I walked into the pool and it really affected me, kind of wondering about like, well, why do we make art and why do I dance and what have I been doing with my life and did I make good decisions that mean anything to anyone other than me? Um, 
So, and then it was a lot of fun, a great experience to work on something new and just work something out in a space. Um, last year I hosted the event, which was a very different experience and again, a lot of fun. And we were, were at Bensai Matsu last year, um, because of a complication with the locations. So it was a really different vibe, air conditioning, bar, nice lighting, uh, totally different experience. So this year I'm really happy to be back in Bensai Michel. In the dingy spot. In the dingy spot, because I Good. think that's more, uh, more the type of thing I, I feel comfortable doing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's my third year in the event and I'm having a great time. I'm looking forward to the show opening on Wednesday. Well, for me, it's my first time doing Piss in the Pool. Uh, so I'm very nervous <laughs> about it. And it's a totally another, uh, it's new work. Uh, and it's the uh, first time that I'm choreographing something on three other uh, circus artists, uh, two contortionists and uh, one who used to do contortion, but this time her back was not responding well. So uh, so she's acting. She's more like of a main character with the two other contortionists around. So it was, um, so it's all very, very new for me, <laughs> this event, yeah. That's one of the things that's really interesting about having you two in the studio right now with us. It, it's really interesting because you come from very varied backgrounds, you come from two very different backgrounds, and yet they're sort of joined at the tip by you both doing a master's at UQAM. How do you feel that you're respective experiences and your paths and everything have led you to to an event such as piss and pool or to dance in general um well i'm for those who don't know me although i'm very famous and everyone should know me no i'm kidding you can cut that out or keep it um i finished my um bachelor's of fine arts at concordia in 2000 and was co-artistic director of solid state breakdance collective from 2000 through to 2012, just past year. Um, so toured a lot and worked mostly with breakdance and urban dance mixed with physical theater for most of my career. Um, in 2010, I had decided not to perform with Solid State anymore and continue working just as a choreographer um, because for me at my own kind of point in my career, I felt that I wanted breaking. It's very physically demanding and I wanted it to be more something that was just for me and not something that I did in performance anymore because you, you practice and train very differently when you're performing something than when you're just practicing it for yourself. And my own personal work has gone more towards maybe a contemporary performance or interdisciplinary vibe. And so for me to have the chance to work on Piss in the Pool um, was really fun because I think a lot of people in Montreal still associate me to urban dance, break dancing, and more of like a very comical style of choreography or theater. Um, and what I'm working on now is a lot more, um, hmm, I don't know how to describe it, but it's definitely mixing mediums. I'm working with musicians. I'm working a lot on this idea of choreographic reframing and trying to present things that aren't dance in a choreographic manner. And so for me, having an opportunity to present something in an established showcase, um, where there's an audience coming who may or may not know me and to present something that I definitely think no one will be expecting from me is a really nice opportunity. And, um, it, it's nice to create work in a really, uh, condensed manner as well. So instead of having two years to do a big process where you just end up messing around and not really creating anything to the last minute anyways, I'm kind of done with that. I'd rather just create in an intense fashion and really have an idea and go into a space and make something and see if it works or not. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Well, for me, I did the National Circus School 
uh, for five years where I finished in 2001. And then I've been touring way more on the traditional circus field. So I did start with Eloise, but then after that I went to Europe and lived in caravans and touring with Chapiteau and horses and tigers and so on. Uh, after that, I went more like on the variety kind of field because that's what you do when you do circus. And uh, But I was just missing a lot of uh, sense and... Um, reason of being and doing what I'm doing. I've never been re-satisfied in just showing what I was doing. And so even if we have a big approach of like contemporary circus and trying to have like a démarche artistique behind and and stuff, I always felt that the context in which circus was presented and the horizon d'attente with which the audience come to see a show was often blocking a way to really create like a sensitive uh, relation and to really build something on um, on stage with the audience and well just looking for more deepness <laughs> so this led me to uh, the theater field in, at UCAM so where I just finished a, a master but my subject was on the dramaturgy of circus so how did I arrive into the dance field? I have no idea. <laughs> I because and it always made like interest me to know why my work is more presented in the dance field. Maybe because it's contortion. I don't use a uh, word uh, much, and so it's really more into movement. But yeah, I really have more like theater and circus background uh, behind. But my work have been presented already at Tangente, and I will. There's a new work will be presented at Tangent next year. So there's Piss in the Pool. I just did Short and Sweet. So um, I just go where, where I think it goes. I, I think that's more my circus background. If it, Yeah, I'm just open and just flow. And if it's there, it's there. And so, yeah. I was talking recently with a fellow circus artist of yours who was sort of uh, lamenting the fact that in the Montreal circus scene right now, there is not much space for questioning of of the the typical presentations of performance of the body and stuff like that. And he also is moving a bit more towards the dancing, maybe because it allows this this questioning. A lot, um, a lot, do, yeah. do you find that your circus experience becomes restrictive in any way? when you're trying to broach new approaches to the body or do you feel that on the other hand it just opens up the horizon much more well i i do think it opens because it's all new well for me i i, I don't know i just feel it's a journey i'm doing so through my body through stage and and the other thing is my subject of thesis was the deconstruction of the prowess and how the prowess can become a way to write stage so in that sense and because i wanted to can can the prowess uh, support a dramaturgy can a, a prowess support an outside idea that just passed through it can it become a vehicle of representation so in that sense it can be like it's you you then can start to talk about almost anything that was like one of my goal can i can i let a painting passing through me can i talk about actuality politic through that to support this idea more than wow 
It's it pretty so easy. <laughs> it's amazing what you're doing or something, you know. But then after that, I wanted to question. Yeah. So I think it just it opens if we can just go further. And so, piss in the pool. And there's a lot of stage in Montreal that I think more in the dance field. That and even the French now that are are stage that let and allow the artist to really try out and to really go and take risk and so yesterday I was talking with uh, Sasha and and my interpreter that are just finishing school uh, the National Circus School and so that was this idea, we were talking a lot about this idea of taking risk you know is that risk the risk of the body when you do something and that you have to be super like tense almost in WD. How do you find a release? How do you find another kind of danger and to let your to let your body be surprised of the moment, to to see almost impossible way to resolve something. So then in that sense it's not something that we normally do in circus because you will never allow yourself to go in that that way because you can just die. <laughs> yeah, but you, you know, or be injured very. So um, it's the risks that are not really as much out there as we traditionally see in circus. Like if you see someone walking on a wire, you're like, oh, they might fall. But in contortion, you don't really think, well, this might have an adverse effect on the body. Is that kind of what you're saying? Uh, no, it's just no because I mean contortion. If you're not warm, like if you do deep contortion. If I sit on my head, if, you know, you stand on your hand or something, if you're not warm enough, you can have big back problem. You can have entors of the back, the things are pulling, your digestion, uh, you really can get injured, your bones are moving out, your, you know, just big bunch of things that can happen. Your hips can just, you know, switch in one, one movement. So now it's just as well a matter of accepting to not go maybe in the deep, deep contortion and to find like the space in between when you're really warm and not warm where you can just move and live the movement. And then after that with, with the contortion, it just like opens to a all another approach to the body and the space and the relation to the floor, the relation to the others and, and, so, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, um, but if I understand from what you were saying, because there's a physical risk we all understand for contortion, but at the same time, it's almost something safe because you as circus artists know how to use that artifice to impress an audience. And maybe what you're trying to do now is take a different kind of risk, maybe an emotional or an artistic risk and not rely on those tricks that you know people will like. And that's, I think that's what dance gives to a lot of different disciplines is a chance to take risks outside of their technique, you know, because I think in dance, we really understand that, that art isn't made for technique, it's made by technique. And so how can we use these techniques to create something new and personal and honest and generous instead of something that just once again entertains an audience and gives them what they expect? I think that's where contemporary dance in Montreal is right now is this wanting, wanting to find new ways to satisfy the artist and the audience, or maybe not give them what they expect, maybe give them something that leaves them unsatisfied and wanting more, you know? So we're playing with those codes, I think right now. Maybe like, yeah. I kind of understand what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but totally. So now it's really like a research of how to find a living prowess, mm. how you can make the prowess live 
and grow through a certain time and space. There's a there's an interesting parallel between both of your works. Um, the, I find anyway, uh, Elena, you were mentioning the reframing of the choreographic mm -hmm. process, and also I feel that in this in Andren's work that I've seen, there's also reframing of the audience, more of the audience gaze, and that is something that both of you sort of play with of how. The audience will be looking at the performer on stage. In your case, quite often it's, it's moving this performance. In your case, Helen, I mean, it's really often moving the uh, performance outside of the stage context. And, and uh, Andrean, quite often you, it's more the performer accepting the gaze, but also returning that gaze towards the audience. How do you feel that this will be brought forward in Piss in the Pool because it's such a different context in the first place. It's not like a proscenium or a black box. The perspective is very different. The sight lines are really different in Piss in the Pool. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's even when I was working with Solid State and working with bringing street dance into uh, more traditional theaters, I feel like my entire artistic démarche has been about asking people to look at things differently, take it out of its usual context and put it in a new context because we're always so obsessed with trying to do something new and original and really that's not very possible anymore and I think there's a lot of things that exist that are super interesting if we just turn them around and look at them a different way um, so what I've been doing with this process um, my piece which is called Last Song Live Version um, is I took a song from my husband's band's album Dead Messenger and it's called The Last Song and it's actually just a song that they recorded for their album they've never played it live and they didn't even play it all together because the recording process you record one instrument at a time and you kind of build a song in a studio so they had never played this song live and so I said well what if we just take this song and stage a live performance of it and imagine what a live performance of this song that doesn't exist in reality it only exists in the digital world what would that performance look like and what's hard maybe for the audience is I'm asking them to watch a musical performance with the same attention to the body that you would give a dance performance so we're not watching a band play to appreciate the music that they're playing we're watching a band play to appreciate the movement and the rehearsal and the technique and all the detail physically that goes into making this musical performance happen. Um, I'm really obsessed with that right now. I find it super interesting. Uh, a lot of postmodern dance, the whole démarche was about looking at pedestrian movements, but I find it really interesting to look at performative movements and intentional movements through the choreographic lens. Mm. So if we look at this body in a different way, it tells a completely different story. And all of a sudden a lot of other things come out of it and and working with the with the guys in the space has been really interesting because a song even though there's lyrics in it it's a very undirect it's it's more like poetry you don't know exactly what it's about and how can we keep that undirectness and put it into a physical state instead of relying on words to tell us what it's about and instead of relying on just the music to tell us what it's about and give us a, a feeling and and an experience so It's been a lot of fun in that way. And I also, I think, in this process, uh, speaking of gaze, I mean, this is more in theory. Um, this is more of a theoretical work that I've been doing, is there's a lot of talk and dance about male gaze mm -hmm. on female performers, which I find is kind of, like, archaic, and we should stop talking about it, um, because it denies the female performer's pleasure in 
being watched Mm -hmm. um, and her agency to decide to be watched in the first place. It's a very 1970s kind of second wave feminist view of it that American dance people should stop talking about. But anyways, I've really been working actually with a female gaze on male performers in this piece because the main performers are all men. Um, And so how do I, as a woman, look at these male bodies perform and how do I ask female spectators or female performers to look at these male bodies is also a big part of, of the work. So, yeah, I think that the way that we choose, uh, I, the way we choose to look at art influences the art completely. I'm really, have you guys read the Frank Zappa autobiography, the Frank Zappa no. book? Um, there's this whole section in about it, uh, about the frame and how it's the most important thing in art. Uh, because he's like, it tells you where life ends and art begins and it tells you what that shit on the wall is. And so, you know, his example is if John Cage just, swallows carrot juice and gurgles is just a guy swallowing juice and carrot, gurgling carrot juice. But if he tells you it's music, it's almost like he's willing it to be music. Then we can understand it as music and look at it as music, but we need to know what the frame is. Um, so that's why I'm trying to be very clear with the fact this is not a band musical performance. It is a choreography, and I want you to watch it that way. There's something really interesting about live musicians performing because they're always straddling that, that line between something that is very task-based, which is, you know, playing in a musical instrument, but also the performance aspect. And, you know, if you look at the postmoderns uh, in New York, when they were doing task-based stuff, it was very random stuff that you would never associate with a performance, mm-hmm. and they made it be a performance because mm-hmm. of that framing. But musicians, per se, if you put a musician playing an instrument, it is a task-based stuff, but as soon as you put them on stage, it's also a performance. Mm-hmm. But we never really questioned that, that line that they're in between. That's what I find is so fascinating about it is because it is the, it's, they have an intention to make music and we all understand that intention as spectators. So what I'm trying to do is say, let's switch the intention. Let's have this intention be, I'm not convinced it's dance. I don't know if what we're doing is dance and I'm not really concerned if people think it's not dance. Does it matter though? It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's dance or not. It matters if it's a choreography Mm -hmm. and that it definitely is. It is definitely a choreography and it's definitely a piece about paying attention to the human body in motion as opposed to the sound that that body is making. And I, I think that's fairly clear in what we've done. It'll be interesting to see if the audience thinks so or not. Um, or they'll just be rocking out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a pretty good parlor trick. I got a bunch of uh, cute rock and roll guys with tattoos doing an awesome show. So <laughs> I think I think everyone will enjoy it, even if they're not sure it's dance or not. Yeah, concerning the gaze of the audience, it's interesting because... Um, for me, I tried to create a fourth wall, which I, I didn't think before. <laughs> uh, like that, I re, I, I'm putting the audience all around the pool, standing and looking in, in the water. And so there's the tree contortion, and so the tree body making their way through the pool. Yeah, normally I always include the audience. I'm really, well, probably because Normally I'm alone on stage, so the audience become my partner. And now I wanted to see how the body will interact. So as well with like guiding the eyes of the audience, but through interaction in their body. What is the influence that are happening between them and how this evolve through the piece? So I didn't want to, maybe it was just too much information and things to deal with. But, uh, no, but I, I wanted to, to, to 
amplify those walls of the pool and really like make this bottom of the pool live because contortion is really close of the ground and so all this snaky kind of you know movement so to see that from very high did you have any difficulties establishing a fourth wall considering that it's a 360 performance and the audience can see each other and that that sort of diminishes the the impact of a fourth wall i feel because the fourth wall is very much about this separation and when when the the audience gets to see each other especially in a standing up moving around kind of context the, the gaze is always sort of brought back to the other people who are watching and that reduces the power of the gaze quote unquote Uh, it's funny because the fourth wall, I think, was more on the other side. I thought of it <laughs> for the for the performer to not perform for okay. the audience. So they are in an enclosed environment and thus very much disconnected from the the audience. Well, not not totally disconnecting disconnecting. I think because I put them anyway as a part of the scenography. Like the audience become kind of the scenography to you know amplify the wall. So in I'm thinking at the same time, it's, it's interesting to actually talk about it. So, yeah, no, it's more, in, I think, in, in the idea to not perform for the audience, but to, well, you know, after that, when you arrive in the show, I think I'm going to have a big surprise, you know, and, and see how it's going to, you know, like, resolve. Maybe what I'm thinking will not happen at all either <laughs> but at the moment yeah it's more it's more about that, that so that they that the performer have have a goal have a trajectory have you know and then influences and see how things can build together to reach a point do you feel that the audience becomes part of the choreographic movement also because you mentioned that they are part of the scenography but somehow yes in that sense yes I mean, in a way, what Helen is, was telling us is that with, with this rock and roll, with this reframing of the choreography, you also influence the move, the, the movement in the crowd because, you know, you put music on, people are going to move. You're making, th this is a choreographic choice that is applied to the audience without them necessarily knowing. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you feel that this is also something that you're kind of trying to do where the audience will become unwilling participants in, the choreography that you're creating in the space? Um, I'm not really sure if I really understand. I think, I, I mean, I can... <laughs> just listening again to what you're saying, I think, obviously, if you're on one side of the pool and you're looking in from one side, you still see the audience on the other side. So that's part of the entire performance mm. for you. And if there's... Uh, an old guy who, you know, is really bored and doesn't like it and kind of being impatient, that becomes part of the choreography for the people standing watching it. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? I think what's great about Piss in the Pool is that we all accept that. Sometimes when you're in a theater and the lights are off and the audience is in the dark, it's easy to pretend they're not part of what's going on, mm -hmm. um, but they're completely implicated in what's going on. Mm -hmm. And in doing this in a less traditional space and with with sight lines that permit you to see other spectators, that's part of my experience as a spectator is I see the people in front of me. And that, that's really how I began being really interested in this mm -hmm. idea of rock shows as choreographic works was I went to see The Swans um, last year with some friends and I'm kind of afraid of crowds. And so I don't know if you guys have ever seen Swans, but it's like it's so loud 
It's so loud. You have to wear earplugs to see their show. It's very well known. And it's so loud that it, the music hits you so hard that you might throw up or need to go to the bathroom or like, and they just play these like 20 minute droning, like insane compositions. And so for me standing at the back of the room, everyone standing in front of me became part of the performance. Mm -hmm. And so the people who start moshing, that's part of the performance or the guy who can't get through because no one will let him to the front of the stage. Cause he really wants to see, cause he really likes swans, but it's so packed that you can't get through. He's part of the performance and the person who's at the bar trying to get a drink, that's part of the performance. So I think, you know, we can, we can delude ourselves into thinking that there is the spectator, you know, there's spectators and every spectator has a unique experience in the audience. And I think that Piss in the Pool is a great chance for artists to really play with. How do you not manipulate spectators, but influence them? If they mm -hmm. stand, if they stand on one side, they see one thing. If they're in the deep end, they see another thing. I had a great experience when I did the show in 2011 where the audience actually got put in the wrong spot. They got put too close to where I had to dance, and my piece ended that year uh, with me putting my foot up, like, on the edge of the pool and lifting myself up with my leg and lying on the side of the pool. And I knew that my leg had to be... I could lift my leg to f the 45 mark on the inside of the pool, and that's where I had to be to pull myself out. And there's an old man standing there at the 45 mark. And so I had to put my leg on his shoulder to pull myself out of the pool. And all of a sudden, the piece meant something very different because I'm using this person, especially with, I don't know if everybody listening is familiar with the whole Margie Gillis Sun News thing, but um, the interviewer had said to her over and over throughout the, the interview, why can't you do this without a leg up from taxpayers? And so all of a sudden I have this old man literally giving me a leg up because I can't do my task without him. So, so I think it's great. The accidents become part of the show. You know, if there's a kid freaking out and having a temper tantrum, that's part of your show, and it's okay. I think at Piss in the Pool, we all know that. We're not going to try to... We embrace it, and we want it, and we want that diversity in the movement and the crowd. Yeah, definitely, and I think I always want to leave the audience their work <laughs> and their role as well to see and to create their own interpretation of the piece. So... I place them, I include them, like I said, in the scenographic uh, idea. But then after that, what, what I can really work on at the moment, it's with those interpret. So it's more a question of for who they are performing and for sure that the audience is there. I, I know I am in representation. I'm not like in auntie, uh, whatever, what. You can be anti of, <laughs> but anti um, so, so so it's not at all in, into that. I, it was just for I, I said that because normally I really take the audience and bring them in. I'm really like in dialogue, like a lot physically dialogue with the audience, and so that's just another way that for, for me that this piece is just totally different. To really try to, because again it was for the prowess and for the interpret to really. Open them to the sensation and the closeness and to let someone coming in their, uh, kinesva, in their bubble and what this, like, make and inf influence them and then what you can you respond. So it was more in that sense to have dialogue between them in the space and then the audience to, to all, almost have this feeling to that they're gonna swallow them or, so for like sure, like somehow wave. they are in, involved, in, but what they're gonna get of it, 
that's going to everybody's going to read it in a different way because of their own history of their own physicality of their own have they ever seen contortion before that like you know it's always a big thing of you know with what bagage the audience arrive with you know and and see and the piece before and the piece after and you know that's a whole different you know uh, that's influence a lot mm -hmm. the perception Ellen, with you using rock and roll very much so as a vehicle right now, and in your case, uh, Andrean, from talking with a lot of people who've seen your work, uh, quite often one of the description is confrontational because of the way you look at the audience. Do you, do you feel that confrontational w would be something that does qualify your work? Is that intentional for both of you or? Um, for me, no. Like, I, I definitely think, I, I think a lot of people in Montreal right now are trying to be provocative and confrontational. And we have to remember that, like, I don't know, Gigi Allen died on stage basically in the 1990s. That's like 20 years ago at this point. Um, you know, Bob Flanagan took like body performance to the next level again, basically died. And, You can't be confrontational, I don't think. What's the point? You can just do things, and and if you're doing them honestly and generously, for some people it might be shocking, and for other people it might be banal. Um, but I think trying to be confrontational is is a goal that's destined to fail, because you can't try to do anything. You can do it or you can't. Um, and that's my own perspective. Like I, I studied a physical theater in Paris with Philippe Collier, um, and... We worked a lot on stop trying to do things and just do something and let the audience decide what it means to them. Um, and so for me, there might be people who find that the level of sound I'm working with is aggressive or confrontational, but that's them being used to not, you know, enduring that level of sound. I go to really loud shows all the time. And so for me, it's not confrontational at all. It's actually quite pleasant and enjoyable um, to go to a show where there's really loud music that's filling the space and that's really getting into your body. It, it, I, I react very emotionally to it, and I enjoy that. Um, so I hope that people don't think I'm trying to be <laughs> push them, but, but, but I'm sure it will push some people. And, and maybe, you know, and I don't think I'm trying to be confrontational and asking people to... to consider what dance is or isn't. I'm not trying to confront them. I'm trying to just ask them what their expectations are. And if they go home and consider that, then that's great. And then if they think I totally suck and my, my work is really dumb, I'm okay with that as well. Because like at the end of the day, that's where I'm, I'm choosing to present my work in front of an audience. And so they're all going to react to it the way they do. But do you think confrontational is necessarily a pejorative uh, quality? Do you think that confrontational could also be something where you bring people to have to reconsider preconceived notions? Yeah, but again, I don't think, I don't think that can be your intention. I think your intention just has to be work, to make work that you believe in. Um, and I think that your, for me, my intention has to be to share that with an audience. So it's not my intention to confront them with my work. It's my intention to share my work with them. And But if, that might confront them. Exactly. Though. That might fr confront them. And I'm okay with that. Because it's not the intention. It's definitely not the intention. Because I, 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 think, I think we forget often in all the talk about the artist's intention and the artist's wants and desires and belief um, that we've gotten away from the fact that at the end of the day we are in performing arts and without an audience our art doesn't exist. Um, without public validation, what we do doesn't, we don't have objects 
we only exist in people's memories after the fact. And so for me, I can't, it's, it's my own comfort. I can't go in wanting to push that audience and force them to do anything. I have to go in. I can't go in and go, fuck you. Like, and start that way. Cause then they'll say, well, who is this girl? I have to hopefully bring them into my world and make them love it. And then I can go, fuck you. And then, you know, and then if they're like, oh yeah, fuck me. Great. Yeah. They're into it. But sorry, can I swear on the radio yeah. here? I'm sorry. <laughs> so that's it. I, I think it's definitely not my intention with anything that I've done to confront people. But if people are confronted with their own expectations or prejudices by it, then I'm really open to that. And I hope that we can, you know, have a beer and talk about it after the show. Yeah, I find it interesting that you said that people find or describe my work as confrontating. Because for me, it never have been my goal either, like to really go there and try to confront them. But I know it is because I, I do, I'm interesting into this horizon d'attente, mm-hmm. you know, the expectation and play with the expectation and try to go somewhere else. So that's always have been something that I like, especially through contortion, because I've been just so fucked and bored by this image that people want to see and that people, you know, what when they go, come and see contortion, like they're expecting something from you to do or to be or to act or to... And they want to live more their dreams more than, you know, and the freedom and the fantasy around you more than what actually you're doing. So I have been really interested into that to try to understand what it is, to try to work with it. And plus, I like, I like the idea of, of making the audience confronting their own idea on something. So if they can project themselves, but they can, You know, more think, I don't think, I have no idea what the world is all about. Like, and I cannot pretend either that I know. I have no fucking clue. But I am interested to certain things. I do love certain things. And there's things that I want to, to bring on stage and to share with audience. I think it's more about this idea of sharing. And if people can get something and make them think, but it will always be their own perception. It will always be their own idea or their own imagination. And then if, si ça peut remettre en question, like, or to put like more questioning things and life on, you know, from the audience, then, then I think I, I achieve like a bit of my role of doing art or performance. There's something about that I that I like. I don't want. I'm not there to tell them how things are. No, I'm I'm ready to say that the table is not a table. <laughs> you know, I can show you something. This is not a but pipe. Especially, <laughs> but but I, I mean, and for me, circus somehow has that capability because a table for circus artists never you will sit around the table. It's you social. Sit on top of it. It, you sit on top of it. You throw it in the air. You, you know, you, you know, for me, it's as it can be, it can be anything. And that's where I think if we start to see further what things are, then there's a whole world of imagination and it's a world of fertility and see where it goes. But I think at this, so confronting as well at this point, um, 
in that work, actually, I have no idea how it's going. You know, it's really a first, first time for me. So I really like Virgin and all that. So I'm really in a discovering way, discovering how I talk, discovering where I'm from, rediscovering circus, rediscovering like people. And I always have been so alone in my, in, in my life, in my craft, in my art as well of a contortionist that now to work to reassemble three contortionists to not create this choreography or, you know, this routine, more than choreography, this routine, the three of them together, but to build, to build more of a piece, something that grows, something that lives, something in interaction, in relation, to build like a whole, a whole with the three of them. I'm just really interesting and I'm curious, so I'm just there <laughs> at the moment and see how it goes. So there's things that have been placed in a certain way for certain reason. But I'm really looking forward to know how people gonna what what people are gonna get from it. I'm really what they're gonna think and think and receive and question and I think that's what's so exciting and also so scary about creating this type of work. Um, that we get to make with Piss in the Pool, which is completely audience interactive, site specific. You can think you know what's going to happen, and but we have no idea what's going to happen. All of a sudden, when there's a hundred people in the room, it's going to look different. It's going to sound different. It's going to feel different. It's going to be different. And, and I don't think the show will come to life and anyone's work will come to life until that first night when we have an audience. And that's, I think, maybe... Maybe that's the better time to start talking about your work is, <laughs> is once you've had an audience reaction, then you know what it's about and then you know what it means to people. And then if you go to another city, like you said, um, Adrian has maybe the spectators have a different view, a different bagage, a different political situation, a different social situation. They'll see something completely different. And so then your work means something completely different because it means what it means to the people who receive it. Um, and again, that's, I don't think every artist sees that that way, but that's how I see it is that if I get too stuck on what my work is about or what it means, then I might as well just do it in my own house for me and myself and film it and think how great I am. But the point of going into a situation where we're taking this risk of using a different space and of bringing in maybe a crowd that's not used to dance performance, there might be people who aren't dance people who, uh, that's what's great about wants and needs dance and all the events they do is it really brings a non-contemporary dance crowd into a dance world. And so you get a wide variety of reactions. And I think I'm just really excited. It sounds like Antoine is really excited to just get in that space with the audience on our opening night and see what the work is and let it live and, and let it take its space. This year's Pissin' Pool, there's the two of you, André Leclerc and Hélène Sema. Who else is participating? Who else is presenting presenting work? Um, we have Geneviève Ferrand, who's doing group piece, uh, Ben Camino, who's doing a solo, I believe, Audrey Juteau, who's doing a solo as well. Um, Simon Portugal? Yeah, who has a group piece as well, I think. Uh, Andrew Tay, I'm not sure what Andrew's doing. Um, it's always fun what he does, so it'll be interesting to see. Have I missed anybody? Um, oh, Jessica, Jessica Cyril, um, who's doing a duet, I believe, but don't quote me on that, because I might be wrong. Um, it's a really interesting mix of artists. There's established people, emerging people, people who've done the event before, people who it's their first time. Um, so I'm really excited to discover a lot of people's work at the, at the dress rehearsal and, uh, 
yeah, it's been a really great exchange. Everybody's energy is kind of buzzing in the space. Sometimes you come in and see the end of what someone's working on. It's a lot of fun. Did we miss anyone? No. <laughs> Everybody's there. So just to remind our listeners, the um, this year's Space Info is going to be from June 26th through June 29th. It's at 8.30 p.m. at Bain Saint-Michel, 5300 Saint-Dominique at the corner of Maguire. Uh, it's it's around a mile, and the closest metro is Laurier. Um, Andréanne, Hélène, thank you so much for coming on the show today with us. It was thank really you. interesting to have you talk to us about your process thank and everything. You. We're about to listen to the song Bathhouse by Vladimir Vysotsky, which is part of uh, André Leclerc's piece at Piss and Pool. На пологи у самого краюшка Я сомнения в себе истреблю Разомлею я до неприличности Ковш холодный и все позади. Dirty Feet is recorded every week at the Montreal Improv Theater. Check them out at montrealimprov.com. Dirty Feet is produced and hosted by Alison Burns, JD Papillon, Joanny Ferrand, and distributed by No More Radio. You can find more about our show at nomoradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Dirty Dirty Feet. And you can find us on Facebook at Dirty Feet Podcast. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Пар горячий развяжет язык.